Our Father who art in heaven, Lord, we say glory and honor be unto your name. Lord, we thank you for life today. We come before you asking for mercy. Lord, we pray you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even as we open your word today, may we find clear paths, directions, instructions that we may even live and them. May your word transform us today. We make this request through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Conflict and Courage, January 13 Taught by Nature But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee, or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee, who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought these. Job chapter 12, verse 7 to 9. Although the earth was blighted with the curse, nature was still to be man's lesson book. It could not now represent goodness only, for evil was everywhere present, marring the earth and sea and air with its defiling touch. In drooping flower and fallen leaf, Adam and his companion witnessed the first signs of decay. Vividly was brought to their minds the stern fact that every living thing must die. Even the air upon which their life depended bore the seeds of death. Continually, they were reminded also of their lost dominion. Among the lower creatures, Adam had stood as king, and so long as he remained loyal to God, all nature acknowledged his rule. But when he transgressed, this dominion was forfeited. The spirit of rebellion to which he himself had given entrance extended throughout the animal creation. But man was not abandoned to the results of the evil he had chosen. In the sentence pronounced upon Satan was given an intimation of redemption. This sentence spoken in the hearing of our first parents was to them a promise. Before they heard of the thorn and the thistle, of the toil and sorrow that must be their portion, or of the dust to which they must return, they listened to words that could not fail of giving them hope. All that had been lost by yielding to Satan could be regained through Christ. After the transgression of Adam, God might have destroyed every opening bud and blooming flower, or he might have taken away their fragrance, so grateful to the senses. In the earth seared and marred by the curse, in the briars, the thistles, the thorns, the tears, we may read the law of condemnation. But in the delicate color and perfume of the flowers, 
we may learn that God still loves us, that his mercy is not wholly withdrawn from the earth. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Taught by Nature. Our key text is taken from the book of Job, chapter 12, verse 7 to 9, which says, But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall teach thee, or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee, who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord had wrought this. What lessons do we learn from nature? The intention of God when he created man was that nature should be a lesson book for man. And that intention has not changed. The only thing that has changed is the lesson that nature is teaching. Originally, the lesson that nature was made to teach was lessons of God. Lessons about the nature and character of God because true nature we behold, it's as if we are touching the face of God. We come closer to Him. We see attributes of God in nature before the fall, only attributes of God. And that was the lesson nature was teaching to man. Today, some of those lessons still remain. But mingled with that are lessons of evil. As we saw yesterday, the curse that came through sin affected nature. The earth in general is languishing because of the sin of man. The animals themselves are perishing because of the sin of man. All the whole creation is being affected by the sin committed by Adam and all the other sins that has been committed by man. As we read in Conflict and Courage, page 19, paragraph 3, in drooping flower and fallen leaf, Adam and his companion witnessed the first signs of decay. Vividly was brought to their minds the stern fact that every living thing must die. Even the air upon which their life depended bore the seeds of death. Do you know that it has been discovered by scientists that the air we breathe today contains less oxygen than the air of 4,000 years ago and 5,000 years ago? They were able to see bubble trapped in sap and it was traced that that bubble trapped in a sap was thousands of years old, I think at least 4,000 years old. And when that air trapped in the bubble of a sap, that sap from a tree, was examined, it was found that the air contained far more oxygen than the one we have today. In fact, in calculation, the air contained at least two times as much oxygen as it did, as it does today. You see that even the air we breathe today bears, bears the scene, the seeds of death. 
it is not able to make us do much. The amount of oxygen you breathe in at a time determines how much you can do. The reason you feel a sharp pain in your chest when you run for a while is because there is not much oxygen anymore. You can only take so much at a time. But if the air was filled with so much oxygen, you will run and you will not faint. This is the result of sin. Apart from the air, even the trees, the fallen leaves you see are a result of sin. The book of Romans chapter 8 verse 19 to 23 tells us plainly, For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Why are animals waiting for the sons of God, not sons of men now? When we use the term, the Bible uses the term sons of God, that is referring to what you see in the book of 1 John chapter one, chapter 3 verse 1 down to 4. And also son of God referring to Jesus, that is a man who reflects the image of God himself. Sons of God refers to those who are children of God, who in their lives is no sin whatsoever. And the creatures are waiting for this class of people, these people who are going to live a life free from sin. Why? We'll read on verse 20. It says, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Conflict and Courage, page 19, paragraph 4. Among the lower creatures, Adam had stood as king, and so long as he remained loyal to God, all nature acknowledged his rule. But when he transgressed, this dominion was forfeited. The spirit of rebellion to which he himself had given entrance extended throughout the animal creation. End of quote. I try to imagine in my mind what happened that day after Adam and Eve ate that fruit. Psalm 104 verse 1 and 2 tells us that the Lord clothes himself with light and Adam and Eve being created in that same image were clothed with light. This light was the glory of God that shined on them and the animals seeing them knew that there is something different about these people and they gave their due respect to Adam and Eve. They were loyal to them, understanding that this is our own God, our master, our leader, and they respected them. But here it was that their master disrespected their own master. Their own master, Adam, sinned against his own master, God. And in his rebellion, that light that covered them went away. Imagine Adam and Eve standing naked before these animals in their shame, running helter-skelter. They were the ones who, were, who caused the first death for even the plant because they took fig leaves and covered themselves. In cutting those fig leaves, what did they do? They killed them. <laughs> 
that was those leaves that have decayed and died in the world god created there was no falling leaf the leaves we see today that fall that was not god's plan they they are evergreen and never does anyone fall from a tree but adam caught some of them and even eve and they used it to cover themselves they were blinded to the fact that they were doing something that was not in harmony with the world that we were living in they had never witnessed such a thing but they themselves inflicted that kind of damage to a tree to a fig tree and the animals witnessed these things and finally they witnessed god send adam and eve out of eden and they also suffered for it they left eden just like adam and eve in this rebellion the animals themselves saw rebellion and some of them became rebellious the lesson to learn here is that a kingdom is preserved in obedience as leaders fathers mothers employers if we do not set a right example before our children our employees our citizens and subjects we can expect that we will get rebellion the animals also rebelled against adam because of his rebellion to god this seed of rebellion has been perpetuated all through the children of men and even of beasts also as the beast witnessed the sin of adam their leader as they saw themselves driven from the garden they became under the dominion of another cruel ruler satan and also they lost their respect and reverence for man this will be the case of any leader who rebels against god today their kingdom will know no peace and they will lose the respect of their subjects and their power of dominion will be gone except they want to use force of course you see love has a forceful power on its own you don't need to force people to do things if you do right people will do right but when we lose our integrity and then people rebel against us then sometimes you see men want to employ the use of force of course i I don't mean in all cases there are cases where we have outrightly rebellious people not because of anything the leader did but the people are just rebellious so it's not in all cases you see this whole thing reminds me of the story of david and the sin that he committed it properly illustrates this fact when david took the wife of uriah besheba slept with her then called Uriah trying to make him sleep with his wife and he did not do that he went to the war and he set Uriah up with the help of Joab Joab helped David set Uriah up and Uriah died not just Uriah but other men so that it would look suspicious a very dastardly act done by David and his his cousin Joab a wicked thing they did but God will not have a thoughts this thing was made known David continued for one good year in his covering of his sin. Here was a leader. He had the loyalty of all his subjects. You see, David was not a king who took the throne with his hands. The people gave it to him out of love for him. David was made king. People gathered around him when Saul was chasing him around. David escaped and people went to meet David to help him. They supported him. And even when Saul died, David didn't take the throne. The people of Judah and Benjamin made him 
sorry, people of Judah alone, made him king of their of their own will. And then later on, Benjamin and the rest of Israel, of their own will, made David king. And as long as David was a right example in his life, he had that dominion and power and could command the respect and reverence of his subjects. But when he committed that sin, oh my, it was evil all the way. In the book of 2 Samuel chapter 12, reading from verse 7 downward, Nathan came and said to David, Thou art the man, thus said the Lord God of Israel, I anointed the king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. It just reminds me of what he did for Adam. I gave you the whole earth for yourself. Continuing for David, God said, And I gave thee thy master's house, thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because of this deed thou shalt give thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Lessons that we learn from here in comparisons to the case of Adam. Adam had the whole earth under his dominion. In his disregarding of the commandment of God, he lost that reverence, dominion, and respect. And the animals did not respect him anymore. And if they wanted to come at him, they would have killed him. And so it was for David. He disobeyed the commandment of God and he lost his kingdom. Look at what happened later. Terrible things. It just reminds me of what happens now with the animals. You see these beasts of prey, how they kill the animals that are not as strong as they are. It reminds me of what David's son did after this. I'll read from the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 13, reading from verse 1. And it came to pass after this, that is after David's sin, that Absalom, son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Ammon, the son of David, loved her. And Ammon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Ammon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Ammon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man, and Jonadab gave him a bad advice to deceive. Now from verse 6 it says, So Ammon lay down and made himself sick. And when the king was come to see him, Ammon, Amnon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar my sister come, and make me a couple of cakes in my sight, that I may eat at her hand. 
Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house and dress him meat. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down. Take note, he was laid down. He's like a crocodile laying down. And she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and did bake the cakes. And she took a pan and poured them out before him. But he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Have out all men from me. And they went out, every man from him. Going down to verse 10, it says, And Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring the meat into the chamber, that I may eat of thine hand. And Amnon and Tamar took the cakes which she had made, and brought them into the chamber to Amnon her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her come lie with me my sister and she answered him nay my brother do not force me for no such thing ought to be done in israel do not doubt this fully and i whither shall i cause my shame to go and as for thee thou shalt be as one of the fools of israel verse 14 howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice but being stronger than her forced her and lay with her I once saw a beautiful, young and budding cheetah in the prime of its youth go to a small lake to drink water. From the behavior of the cheetah, I could tell that it knew very well that there were crocodiles in that river. But since the crocodile acted as though it didn't care, it lay down as if nothing was wrong. The cheetah, though wary, thought it had a shot at drinking water in that river. It didn't succeed. With a speed and acceleration faster than the reaction of the cheetah, the crocodile lunged at the cheetah in its jugular, and literally in the blink of an eye, the cheetah was speedily dragged into the water. I saw no sign of it again, not even its head, just some little struggle in the water. The cheetah came to its sad end. Like a crocodile cries tears to make itself look harmless and lure its prey, so also Amnon cried fake tears, made himself look sick, which we know today as crocodile tears, and lured his sister, and she went like a lamb and was abused. Why did this happen? This happened because of David's sin, and David couldn't correct it because to do so will be to pronounce judgment upon himself. He lost the kingdom out of disobedience. For the same reason today, the crocodile and other beasts of prey have gone wild. You see the wild animals, how they prey on the lower ones, that's the same way Amnon did on his younger sister who he had power over. And why did both of them do it? The crocodile is doing it because of the rebellion of man and so it was Amnon did it because of the rebellion and the sin of his father. The lesson we learn from here is that we must be careful the example we set especially as leaders parents mothers fathers leaders anywhere you have subjects under you if you set a wrong example then there will be a ripple effect after amnon raped his sister then what followed next absalom was next absalom killed amnon and what did david do about all these things that was happening within his family absolutely nothing why he had lost dominion how would he deal with absalom when he did something wrong how would he deal with 
Amnon, when he did the same thing, David lost the power. Adam, humanity, lost the dominion and lost the power. But let us trace it. What was the cause? Disobedience. And after, after Absalom, what happened to him? Joab killed Absalom. And after that, what happened to Joab? Joab himself was killed for also doing the same thing and killing other people. It's a ripple effect. The lesson for us is that we must be careful. One man's sin, especially one leader's sin, led to chaos in the kingdom. Adam's sin set the whole earth out of sync, out of balance, and in rebellion. On that note, I would like to talk to leaders, parents, fathers and mothers. You have children under you who are watching you just like those animals were watching Adam. Just like Amnon and Absalom and the whole Israel were watching David. And once David sinned, it was a chaos. And even so with Solomon. When Solomon sinned in marrying many wives, his kingdom was broken. Solomon's case was even worse. The kingdom had to be divided in two because of what Solomon did. And his child, Rehoboam, when he came into power, the division was so great, Rehoboam did not even have the power to dominate over Israel anymore. Israel became divided. The Lord has a word to say to us as leaders and as parents today. There's a book called The Reformed Pastor written by a man, a reformer, blessed man, called Richard Baxter. And here is what he had to say from the word of God and will be blessed by this. He says, reading, Take heed to yourselves, for you have a depraved nature and sinful inclinations, as well as others. That's to you, parents, leaders. If innocent Adam had need of heed and lost himself and us for want of it, how much more need have such as we? Sin dwells in us, when we have preached ever so much against it, and one degree prepares the heart for another and one sin inclines the mind to more. If one thief be in the house, he will let in the rest because they have the same disposition and design. A spark is the beginning of a flame, and a small disease may cause a greater 1 Corinthians chapter 5 or 6. A man who knows himself to be poor blind should take heed to his feet. Alas, in our hearts as well as in our hearers there is an averseness to God, a strangeness to Him, unreasonable and almost unruly passions. In us, there are, at the best, the remnants of pride, unbelief, self-seeking, hypocrisy and all the most hateful, deadly sins. And does it not then concern us to take heed to ourselves? Is so much of the fire of hell yet unextinguished that was at first kindled in us? Are there so many traitors in our very hearts? And is it not necessary for us to take heed? You will scarcely let your children go themselves while they are weak without calling upon them to take heed of falling. And alas, how weak are those of us that seem strongest, how apt to stumble at a very straw, how small a matter will cast us down by enticing us to folly or kindling our passions and inordinate desires by perverting our judgments, weakening our resolutions, cooling our zeal and abating our diligence. Ministers are not only sons of Adam. Parents and leaders are not only sons of Adam, but sinners against the grace of Christ as well as others, and so have increased their radical sin. These treacherous hearts of yours will one time or the other deceive you if you take not heed. 
those sins that seem now to lie dead will revive your pride and worldliness and many a noisome vice will spring up that you thought had been weeded out by the roots it is most necessary therefore that men of so much infirmity should take heed to themselves and be careful in the oversight of their own souls take heed to yourselves because the tempter will more ply you with his temptations than other men if you will be the leaders against the prince of darkness he will spare you no further than god restrained him he bears the greatest malice to those who are engaged to do him the greatest mischief as he hates christ more than any of us because he is the general of the field the captain of our salvation and does more than all the world besides against his kingdom so does he hate the leaders under him more than the common soldiers he knows what a rout he may make up among them if the leaders fall before their eyes hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 he has long tried that way of fighting neither against great or nor small comparatively but of smiting the shepherds that he may scatter the flock and so great has been his success this way that he will continue to follow it as far as he is able take heed therefore brethren for the enemy has a special eye upon you i'm referring now parents pastors leaders the enemy has a special eye upon you take heed you shall have his most subtle insinuations and incessant solicitations and violent assaults as wise and learned as you are take heed to yourselves lest he outwit you the devil is a greater scholar than you and a nimbler disputant he can transform himself into an angel of light to deceive 2 corinthians chapter 11 verse 14. he will get within you and trip up your heels before you are aware he will play the juggler with your own with you undiscerned and cheat you of your fate or innocence and you shall not know you have lost it no he will make you believe it is multiplied or increased when it is lost you shall see neither hook nor line much less the subtle angler himself while he is offering you his bait and his bait shall be so fitted to your temper and disposition that he will be sure to find advantages within you and make your own principles and inclinations betray you and whenever he ruins you he will make you the instruments of ruin to others oh what a conquest will the devil think he has got if he can make a minister lazy and unfaithful if he can tempt a minister into covetousness or scandal he will glory against the church and say these are your holy preachers see what their preciseness is and where it brings them he will glory against jesus christ himself and say these are your champions i make your chief servants abuse you i can make the stewards of your house unfaithful if he did so insult god upon a false surmise and tell him he could make job curse him to his face what will he do if he should prevail against you and at last he will insult as much over you that he could draw you to be false to your great trust and to blemish your holy profession and to do so much service to him that was your enemy oh do not so far gratify satan do not make him so much sport suffer him not to use you as the philistines did samson 
first to deprive you of your strength and then to put out your eyes and so to make the matter of his triumph and derision. Take heed to yourselves because there are many eyes upon you and there will be many to observe your force. You cannot miscarry but the world will ring of it. The eclipses of the sun by day are seldom without witnesses. As you take yourselves for the lights of the churches, you may expect that men's eyes will be upon you. If other men may sin without observation, you as parents and leaders cannot and ministers also, and you should thankfully consider how great a mercy this is, that you have so many eyes to watch over you, and so many ready to tell of your faults, and thus have greater helps than others, at least for restraining you from sin. Though they may do it with a malicious mind, yet you have the advantage of it. God forbid that we should prove so impudent as to do evil in the public view of all and to sin willfully while the world is gazing on us. Those who sleep, sleep in the night, and those who be drunken are drunken in the night. Why consider that you are ever in the open light? Even the light of your own doctrine will expose your evil doings. While you are as light set upon a hill, do not think to lie hid. Take heed therefore to yourselves and do your work as those that remember that the world looks on them and that with the quick-sighted eye of malice, ready to make the worst of all, to find the smallest fault where it is, to aggravate it where they find it, to divulge it and to take advantage of it to their own designs and to make faults where they cannot find them. How cautiously then should we walk before so many ill-minded observers? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, reading from verse 6. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And we may have hope just as David did, for the Lord forgave him. And we may have hope as Adam did, for the Lord gave them a promise that he will bruise the head of the serpent. So, if you as a parent, as a leader, has made a mistake, perhaps you've lost the dominion, you've lost the power and respect and reverence of your subjects and your children, be comforted in the knowledge that the Lord has forgiven you if you ask for forgiveness. Be comforted in the knowledge that Adam and David will be in the kingdom of God even though they sinned. Be comforted in that knowledge that though you have sinned and set a wrong example before your subjects and maybe they are rebelling against you now, do not react wrongly to it, but be comforted that the Lord has forgiven and is giving you a second chance. And as we see in the animal kingdom, it is not all the animals that are rebellious towards man. There are still some that even though the seeds of rebellion is in the earth, you can see the lamb as subject as it is to the man and most of the cattle. So also, if you see someone like Adam who is in a leadership position, who does something to lose their respect or reverence, be careful not to treat them wrongly. Be careful not to behave like Absalom and Amnon who used their father's sin as an excuse to let loose and rebel. Another man's rebellion is not an excuse. The animals are not rebellious because they want to. The Bible says they were subject to it. 
So also when we see people who may be leaders they do wrong be careful how you treat them give them their respect nevertheless it is not an excuse for us to disrespect them or be irreverent towards them every man deserves their respect and even children to their parents maybe you know your parents did wrong somewhere an adulterous father an unfaithful mother you should still respect them give them their reverence because you also are not any different may the lord help us amen amen so we continue from the animal the animal is the thought that some are still loyal some are still friendly genesis chapter 3 verse 14 17 he says that but ask now the beast and they shall teach thee and the fowls of the air and they shall tell thee or speak to the earth and it shall teach thee and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee who knoweth not in all this that the hand of the Lord had wrought this Job chapter 12 the 7 to nine. Now, in case you're wondering, are we to go and gather in a classroom and call one beast, one animal, or one cow to come and teach us? But ask the beast, and they shall teach thee. Indeed, when humans lost sight of that supernal glory, their senses became deemed. We were told to ask the beast. When man was created, God gave man his diet. Genesis chapter 1 verse 29. Fruits, grains, nuts, seeds. Of course, there was no flesh in the man's diet. Meat was not included in man's original diet. But after seeing man introduced death into the system, the seeds of death were planted. And so sickness, man is now subject to sickness, diseases. And death. So God introduced a second element into his diet, Genesis chapter 3, verse 18. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Mm, the herbs. You see, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and whenever a man is sick, he needs blood transfusion from the leaves. The chlorophyll in the center of the leaf is very similar to the heme present in the blood. God understands that impurities will disturb the current of blood and so the man is to take in these chlorophylls which are blood purifiers from the leaves. But as we age, the knowledge was lost sight of. Just think about how many leaves we pass by. One will be wondering. So all these leaves have their various uses, but we don't know the use. And so that's how man turned to drugs just to give you an account that we have lost sight of the uses of the leaves as it happened in Elisha's day. Second Kings chapter 4 verse 38 says, And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was death. There was a death in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servant, Set on the great port, and sit pottage for the sons of the prophet. 
And one went out into the field to gather herbs, and found a wild vine, and gathered thereof wild goods, his lap full, and came and shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. So they poured out for the man to eat, and it came to pass, as they were eating of the pottage, that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat thereof. But he said, Then bring me meal, and he cast it into the pot, and he said, Pour out for the people, and they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. So you understand that Elijah solved the problem, but the problem really was that the man did not understand the difference between the wild vine and the good that he gathered. Another young man, another young brother in our times, in these contemporary times, was experimenting too, saying that papaw is a sweet fruit, so the leaves he figured will definitely taste alike. So he used it in cooking his soup. Of course, he could not eat it. Ask the beast, they will teach you. Do you know that most of our current herbal knowledge was born out of the researches which were provoked by animals and plants' relationships? The Incas saw baboons go and dig up the roots of baobab trees and start chewing them so men knew that it must have medicinal properties and so they started researching it. In the early 1800s, a young boy, Presnes, who was while watching his grazing flock, noticed a wounded doe, injured by hunters, wading to the calm backflow waters of a mountain brook. The following gives us a history of how his curiosity changed his life. He wondered as the doe limped away and disappeared in the forest. That night, he decided there must be a reason for a wounded animal to seek water, to lave, wash, bathe its wounds. Perhaps instinct was stronger than reason. He would return the next day. He did. And so the doe returned to the water at about the same time. It stood silently without a move and then after a while limped to the bank and disappeared in the deep foliage of the forest once more. For two weeks, the lad Vincent's prisoners returned daily to his vintage point and watch. For two weeks, the wounded doe returned and bathed its injured leg in the brook. Each day, the deer walked better and finally scampered out of the water on the last day to return no more. Before his very eyes he had seen a badly injured there healed with cool sparkling brooks water. Vincent's Presnes never forgot that experience. Some years later Presnes was injured severely and so he lost three teeth and in addition to many wounds and bruises, had three ribs broken. A surgeon painfully probed the wounds, 
put bandages around his chest and left, declaring that the wounds were incurable. And so prisoners remembered the day. No, he could not soak his injured ribs in water as the day had done with his leg. With his leg, he conceived the idea of wrapping the injured ribs with pieces of his torn shirts soaked in water. This relieved him. He continued to apply cold, wet wrappings, and in due course, his ribs were free from pain and healed. The news of his accomplishment spread. When a neighbor came, became injured, he called for the young man who healed with water. Requests for aid became more frequent and further from home, and his experience grew apace. So you understand that he was watching the animal that he learned. Go to the beast and ask. Many animal species have created their own pharmacies and from ingredients that commonly occur in nature. Birds, bees, lizards, elephants, and chimpanzees all share a survival trait. They self-medicate. These animals eat things that make them feel better or prevent disease or kill parasites like flatworms, bacteria, and viruses or just to aid in digestion. Even creatures with brains the size of pinheads somehow know to ingest certain plants or use them in unusual ways when they need them. Go to the beast and ask goats uses leaves to stave off constipation. Anyone who has seen a dog eat grass during a walk has witnessed self-medication. You see chickens and dogs lie under the sun. They are self-medicating. The dog probably has an upset stomach or a parasite. The grass helps them vomit up the problem or eliminate it with the feces. Even the king Nebuchadnezzar was sent to go and eat grass. God made him eat grass for seven years and his senses returned to him. The science of animal self-medication is called zoopharmacognosis. They looked at the ability to detect therapeutic constituents in plants. Examples are plentiful. The practice is spreading across the animal kingdom in sometimes surprising ways. Talking about temperance, ask the lizard, ask the lizard. You know that a lizard will rather starve to death than eat a dead bug. Pregnant lemurs in Madagascar nibble on tamarind and fig leaves and back to aid in milk production, kill parasites and increase the chances of a successful birth. You know, today women are told to use orange leaves. We learn all this by watching the animals. Pregnant elephants in Kenya eat the leaves of some trees to induce delivery. Most studies of animal self-medication, however, are in the great apes. In the 1960s, the Japanese anthropologist Toshi Sada Nishida observed chimpanzees in Tanzania swallow aspelia leaves whole. You know, the interesting thing about the chimpanzees is that they swallow the leaves. The plants had bristly leaves, rough to the touch. But why would they swallow the leaves? So another 
scientist Hoffman theorized that the chimps were swallowing the plants to take advantage of the roughness using the leaves and the stem to score their intestines and rid themselves of parasites. Other researchers observed the same practice among other apes across Africa. Froth and her colleagues saw the bonobos take a leaf or stem from the M. fulvum and rest it flat on their tongues. The animals will layer the leaves on the tongues, produce saliva and fold the leaves back forming a ball while avoiding their lips. Contact with the skin causes itching and sores. The bonobos eventually swallow without chewing. The researchers saw it happen 56 times. According to their 2013 report in the online American Journal of Primatology, the plant is not, Frott points out, part of the bonobos' regular diet. They ingested the leaves mostly when the weather was prime for parasites. The practice fits four of Hobsman criteria. The bonobos sleep in the tree and defecate in the early morning from the high perches. The morning after they observed the leaves swallowing, the researchers collected 694 piles of feces that had dropped to the ground. Hoffman's theory is that apes use the leaves as sandpaper to score the parasite and speed elimination. The hairs on the outside of the leaves are made of rigid silica and the ape eliminate it in six hours. Froth, the other scientist, thinks there is more to it. At least for the bonobos, her team didn't see elimination speed up. 24 hours later, the apes were still excreting leaves. She thinks of the packet of leaf as a time release capsule with a medicinal as well as scoring effect. If you have something in your intestine for 24 hours, it does not accelerate your intestinal passage time. Then you have to ask, what is it needed for and why is it swallowed entirely? Fraud says she hypothesized that the bonobos make a package of the plants to preserve it so it walks farther down in the intestines. Froth thinks the leaves may also heal wounds caused by parasites and possibly have an anti-inflammatory benefit. She hasn't yet determined the possible parasite culprit. Alright, so we see across Africa, humans use the plant as suppositories, enemas, and as a treatment for hemorrhoids. Where did they learn this from? Go to the beast and ask a learned behavior. The obvious question is how do animals, some of them not noted for intelligence, learn to do this? How did sparrows and finches learn to reduce mite infection in their nests? How do the honeybees and wood ants know to line their nests 
with raisin to combat bacteria? How did the leaf-quarter ant manage to earn the title as the strongest animal in the world? Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Since man have lost his way because of sin, let ants be his teacher. We like to retain only the knowledge of evil. Isaiah chapter 3 Isaiah chapter 1 verse 3 says, The ox knoweth his owner, and as his master's creep, but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider, ah, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the, whole, the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. And since man have lost knowledge, we don't even know what is good anymore. And so we don't even know how we got here. The knowledge of creation have been lost sight of. Go to the beast and ask. The woodpecker is a creature that breaks the rules of evolution in such a way that it could not possibly have evolved. Consider its nine unique futures that together declare the creator of woodpeckers. Although the earth was blighted with the curse, nature was still to be man's lesson book. Psalms chapter 19. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The lions is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In them had he set a tabernacle for the sun. The, the songwriter says, The spacious firmament on high with all the blue ethereal sky, and the spangled heavens a shining frame. Their great original proclaim. The unwearied sun from day to day does his creator's power display and publishes to every land the work of an almighty hand the work of an almighty hand the stars while all the stars and that are around her burn and all the planets in their turn confirm the tidings as the roll and spread the truth from pole to pole and then they pass it over to these you see what do in solemn silence Move round the dark terrestrial ball. No sound amid the radiant orbs be found. In reason's ear they all rejoice and utter forth a glorious voice. Forever singing as they shine, the hand that made us is divine. The hand that made us is divine. Is that not what we are supposed to be singing? That the hand that made us is divine. When they tell us that we, we evolved from apes, we said, no, the hand that made us is divine. If we close our mouth, Jesus says that the stone will cry out. I will not let any stone out praise me. It could not now represent goodness only. For evil was everywhere present, marring earth and sea and air with its defiling touch.
In dropping flower and falling leaf, Adam and his companion witnessed the first signs of decay as a point, at the point after witnessing the results and consequences of sin. Adam looked forward with great desire for that death sentence. Oh, death, come now. I can't take this anymore. Death became a sweet release from the sight of sin. When it was pronounced, he was bitter about it. But now he saw God's wisdom in the sentence that the man would die. Now, but, but man was not abandoned to the result of the evil he had chosen. In the sentence pronounced upon Satan was given an intimation of redemption. All that had been lost by yielding to Satan could be regained through Christ the seed of the woman. All that had been lost would be regained through Christ. Now we look forward to the man of Calvary. We look not under the shadow of the cross but we look at the sunny side of the cross because we understand that he had gone before us and he had gone to prepare a place we're looking forward to eden restored we'll have a chance to taste of the fruit of the garden we will eat of the tree of life that has 12 manner of fruits every month it yields its produce we look forward by faith to being together with christ and even seeing adam and we'll talk about the story and even the story of redemption the story of how we made it because of what Jesus has done. So we thank Jesus for all the wonderful things that he had prepared for us. We that are called according to his purpose. It is time for us to take advantage of the mercies that is freely given. That we may return to our original state. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, Lord, in our hands no prize we bring, but only to thy cross we cling. We cling on to what you have done. By ourselves we were doomed for destruction. There was no hope. There was no man found worthy to open the scroll. But you stepped in on man's behalf to create a way of escape from this doom and gloom this prison house you're bringing us into fellowship and communion with the father by faith O lord help us to continue even in this life to begin to taste of the leaves of the tree of life let us value your word and may we live by every of those word help us O lord to stand strong even as we enter these trying times this is our prayer to christ our lord amen <music>